Welcome to another episode of Kankakee Podcast, where we talk about the people and places of Kankakee County. I'm Jake Lamore, and uh, today we are, this. even though this isn't coming out on Veterans Day, we are deeming this our Veterans Day episode, and I think it's a great one. I'm really looking, uh, I'm sitting down with uh, two people that I was hoping to sit down with, or at least someone from uh, their organization and business, and it just so happens they're both veterans, so it just kind of works out. So uh, let's please welcome Natalie and Blaine from Steam Hollow Brewing, uh, Brewing, excuse me, in uh, Mantina. Welcome. Hi, thank you. Thank you. Let's start at the, the the very beginning. I, as I, you know, said before we started recording, that's what I like to know. I like to know where people uh, come from and, and what their background is. So, are you both native to Kankakee County, or uh, where did uh, both of you? come from um so i'll start so i'm kind of native i grew up in the city of chicago okay moved here um in grade school and then i left at 18 and went to the navy um so i'm from the area we moved back here about 10 years ago um blaine is from oregon born and raised and then um, we spent like 20 something years in san diego where we met and then i'm um, like yeah actually almost 12 years ago we moved back here to Mantina, where my mom and dad lived for like 20 something years are you so your parents are then originally from Chicago, Chicago as well. And did they move down here like after retiring or? Um, when I joined the Navy, they moved to Mantino. Oh, okay. So we lived in Bourbon for a while and then they kind of rooted down there in Mantino. Had, had they known about Mantino before? Did you have any other family that lived? No, I just think they thought it was a nice quiet town because it's mm-hmm. a great place to raise kids, even though their kids were at that point older. Um, but it worked out well because um, when we moved back here, we didn't know where we were going to move to. Is it was we moved back because my dad passed away. So I was like, my mom's here in Mantino. We just kind of looked out. We found a great house, and now she actually lives with us. So she sold her house, and now we're all together. But it just worked out, you know, how it was meant to be. Oh, that's cool. Are so, you the the youngest, oldest? I'm the oldest. The You're the oldest, the oldest of the family. Okay. So how many siblings? I have two brothers. Okay. Younger. Okay. And uh, how are you playing Oregon? So is it Oregon or Oregon? <laughs> how do people from Oregon say Oregon. it? People from Oregon say Oregon. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was literally on the uh, I was on the air the other day. I can't remember if I was on the Valley or on on WFAV, but Oregon came up in something I was talking about, and I was like, "Man, I'm once again confused on how to properly pronounce it." And when people say Oregon, it's like people from Illinois saying Illinois. Drives me nuts. Yeah, it, just, I would say that that's yeah. pretty comparable. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And something one of my one of my best friends is originally from Ohio, and he called me out 
some years ago about how I said Illinois. I say, I, I would always say L annoy. And he's like, no. He's like, you see, you see, that's where a lot of Illinoisans make that mistake. There's no, it's not L, it's I L. It's Illinois. So like after he said that, I'm like, I felt so stupid. I've been doing this my whole life. Yeah, exactly. So like, you know, up until there was probably some five years that he had this conversation with me. So, um, so yeah, I always like make sure I'm saying ill, Illinois. Yep. Instead of Illinois. Yeah. So I actually grew up off the grid in the mountains in Oregon, out in the Rogue National Forest. So we we lived way out. And and how far were you from, I mean, what's the Portland is? Is Portland the capital? No, Salem's the capital. Portland's on the very north side. Like, you know, you could spit and hit Washington from Portland. I lived on almost the south side of Oregon where you... California was closer to us than the nearest town. So what was it like growing up in the mountains? I mean, it was I, awesome. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You could do anything you wanted. Is it stereotypically like what I'm thinking? I'm just imagining waking up in the morning, you know, drinking your coffee and then you <laughs> you put on your flannel you <laughs> and you go chop some wood. I mean, I don't know. What yes. is, what is... So <laughs> as kids, we would wake up early in the morning. We would do our schoolwork and then we would go to work. So when the sun started coming up, it was time to go to work. So we had like our own garden. We had goats and chickens. We had to chop all our own wood. Uh, we had to work on our dirt road a lot because it would get washed out. If the sun was up, you were likely just working. When you say schoolwork. We were you, homeschooled. You were homeschooled. Yeah, there were no public schools anywhere near us. That's insane. Yeah. How how close was the, the, the near, or like where was the nearest public school? If you went straight as like a raven flies, about an hour. Okay. Wow. But if you tried to drive, being Oregon can't do straight roads like in here, it no. was like three, four hours. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that's not happening. Yeah. So how did your, I, I said, was it your mother or was there like a group of other it was nearby? Just my mom, dad, my little brother and me. What? And then a few other strange mountain folk that used to hang out with us. Now, compared to, you know, after getting out of, of um, Oregon and meeting other people over the years, how do you feel like your education pairs to them? You know, like, do you feel like you've got the upper on some people? Probably. Um, mostly because when you're out there, you get more of like an engineering sort of mind. So one of my favorite sayings is I'm a jack of all trades, a master of none, but still a master of one. <laughs> That's I there's, love that yeah, saying. There's not too many things I can't run into that I can't figure out. Even if I'm just jerry-rigging it and then I have to go research it to actually do it properly later. But I can usually get most things working. <laughs> I would imagine that comes from your father, right? Or maybe your mother as well, both sides of the family. I'm... It mostly comes with everything in the mountain breaks and you got to get it working to continue. Yeah, because you can't, the hardware store's not just down yeah. the street. It's not yeah. like you can go to, uh, like in Mantino, you yeah. can't just go to Whitmore Ace Hardware and no. get your... <laughs> no. We're huge fans of duct tape. <laughs> <laughs> I would imagine. How how long had your family been in, in Oregon? Uh, my whole life. Yeah. yeah. Did they, where did they originally come from? Oregon. Yeah. yeah. Like, like, no, seriously. No, like, you don't know. Yeah, no. Like, so it, it traces I think, back. I think my mom was born in Grisham, Oregon, or Grasham, Oregon. 
Um, I've only been there once or twice in my life, but it's up like the northern side of Oregon. And then my father, I'm not sure where he was born. So what did your father do for a living then? Nothing. Nothing? Just had a father? No, he he passed away a long time ago. Uh Uh-huh. But growing up, though, was it just all about the homestead? And I think he used to work at like an auto body shop or something like that before I was born. Okay. So then how did... How did the Navy come into play for you? Um, well, I left home when I was 14 and went north into Bend, Oregon, which is right in the center. And a family friend owned a computer business. So I used to get paid $100 a week just to screw motherboards into the cases. That's, that's it? that's all I would do. You wouldn't even every day. touch anything with the nope. programming You wouldn't trust or... me to do nothing like that for a while. And then he was like, all right, now you can put like, and this is before motherboards had everything built into them. Like you had to put, you know, your nick in there. You had to put the video card in. He's like, all right, you got to do it this way. And I probably destroyed at least $4,000 worth of parts just because I plug in the power the wrong direction. This is back when you had two powers and they had to go in a certain direction or they would fry everything. Now it's pretty easy. It's just one plug. But I did that until I was 18 and then joined the military. So was it? One of those situations where your parents were like, yeah, we're cool with you, you know, leaving home and, and learning how to, to do this yeah. skill set. So most mountain folk, uh, when you turn 13, you're considered nearly just an adult. Like, you know, you get your first buck knife, you get your first rifle that you get to keep in your room or go out with it. So you're treated a little more like adults. So if you want to leave, you can. Um, so long as they know you're going to go somewhere that's not, you know, stupid. Yeah. You know, so what's the, what's the wilderness like surrounding, surrounding you up in the mountains in Oregon? Peaceful. Beautiful. Very beautiful. Yeah. Did you get to experience a lot of time there? Oh yeah. Natalie? Yeah. Yeah. I've been to Oregon many times before I met him, but then we took two big trips up there and, um, before we got married and then we, we went back with the kids already twice. I know uh, people get concerned with the wildlife when they're out there. So have any, do you have any interesting stories about it? And I mean, you're talking about, you know, you got your first knife and, you know, your first rifle. So I'm assuming you guys hunted. We did hunt. Yeah. There's a, most of the wildlife in Oregon is pretty docile. Um, Like I've seen people standing on rattlesnakes and not know it. (laughs) And they lift their foot and the snake will just slither off. Um, we used to throw scorpions at each other for fun. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. And they I'm don't, surpri- they I didn't kill re- you. They just hurt a little bit. But... I didn't realize scorpions were up there. I thought oh, yeah. it'd be too yeah. cold. We've got three different kinds of scorpions. We got the like the little yellow ones. We got the bigger yellow ones and then the little blackish blue ones. Which ones are the most dangerous? I think the hmm. little yellow ones are because we never really mess with those. Like we instinctively knew not to play with those ones, but everything else was fair game. <laughs> yeah. I guess I always assumed that the scorpions were just in the desert and that was it so like oregon the more, or, half of oregon is high desert there's a lot of desert out there but uh yeah no you get we used to play with all sorts of really stupid stupid things to play with and but, is it the bigger is it the bigger the scorpion the safer you are yeah. as far as this like the stinging yeah because goes? they're they've learned not to waste all their uh venom i mean they're not going to kill you anyways most of them uh they just hurt a lot like you swell up, you feel a lot of pain, but most of the time you won't die from it. Do you have to get some kind of treatment so that like the poison doesn't? Uh, the treatment is pretty much your parents and everyone around you tells you how dumb you are for doing what you did. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you learn your lesson. Nah, I'm going to do this again tomorrow. 
<laughs> I'm going to win this time. Gonna, oh, my gosh. Wow. Uh, Oregon, um, I think the most dangerous thing you got to really worry about is bobcats. Yes. So bears are super docile. They want nothing to do with you. They might look at you, sniff around, and they're just going to go away. Most cougars won't bother you. Um, wolves like just following you around and watching. Uh, but bobcats, because they don't, they're not on the ground a lot of time, they're above you. They like to just be like super dicks and just drop on things. I have some family friends, and I can't remember where in Oregon they live. The, the name escapes me, but they, the last time they visited us here in Illinois, they were telling us about a, a bobcat situation where um, some, uh, some people were, were getting uh, killed. By, yeah. some, by some bobcats in their area. And uh, it, it seemed to be a, a kind of a, a happening more often kind of thing. Yeah, bobcats so. are a lot like house cats. They're all a little demonic. <laughs> you know, they all have that look like they just want to hurt you. Yeah. Even though you're feeding them. But yeah. they still are like, just like, you know, when you sleep tonight, I could do stuff. Yeah, I get, yeah. right. They're looking through your window. Yeah, mm. that's kind of how bobcats are. They're like house cats. <laughs> well, that's cool. It's 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 cool that it's just cool to learn these things about mm. other areas and and you know where people come from. I'm I'm always fascinated by it. So I'm assuming I don't want to assume, but did you two meet in the Navy? No. So it's a weird story. So we met after we were both out. Um, through our mutual Navy friends, but we actually found out that we were on the same ship together at the same exact time. We just didn't know it. It wasn't even a big ship either. So, and you didn't even did you like? Uh, you know, you look kind of familiar. He, yeah. So, the, so when we went, when this is the USS Duluth that we were on, um, I was actually an officer and he was enlisted. So we wouldn't have really been hanging out together on the ship or anything. Anyways. Because he was higher ranking. No, no I was higher. Was much, you were higher, much ranking. higher oh, yeah. ranking than me. Okay. He still yeah. salutes me, by the way. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I had also just gotten out of officer candidate school, which is like boot camp for officers. So my head was shaved. I had like a crew cut, which is not a very good look for me. So he thinks he remembers me being on the bridge of the ship, but then there wasn't many females on the ship anyways, but I, I don't remember him at all. So it was like, you know, if you could see me, you'd see that I'm not very memorable anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would imagine, obviously, in the Navy, you didn't have that that luscious beard you have. No, I did not. I looked like I was probably 11 years old. Yes, he did. Uh, That's why he's not allowed to shave it. He would look like he's 11. Be like, yeah, I think we need to talk, honey. <laughs> I uh, I saw the lawyer today. <laughs> no, I always threaten him that if he ch chops it off, I will serve him papers just to make a point. <laughs> Maybe not go through with it, but definitely making the point that being happy. <laughs> so let's let's since you're both Navy veterans, let's talk about your experience in the United States Navy. Where so you uh, we'll start with Blaine. So you joined when you were 18 as well. Yep. And so how did that start for you, or how when we were thinking, huh? You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna join the Navy. So. I did computers from about 14 to 18 and, you know, I got into like, by the time I was 18, I was pretty good at programming. I knew several different languages. I could build pretty much anything in it, but it was also super ending. Um, just because you would get calls and people would be like, my computer's broken and it's not working. Well, is it turned on? You know, those kind of things. And it was always like, well, I'm turning it on and off, but they're really turning off like the monitor and not. The <laughs> so I was like, this is super, super annoying to deal with this. And then, so I started hanging out with a friend of mine and we didn't make really smart decisions a lot so we were getting a little bit of trouble and i was like you know i might just 
join the military and like go see the world. If I go in the Navy, I can travel. So I went and talked to a recruiter and like a week and a half later, I was going to MEPS and then going off to boot camp. Um, so I went to boot camp. It was the first time I'd ever really come to Illinois. Oh, uh, when it I was, was in, in boot camp. Yeah, it, it was, was in Great Illinois. Lakes. Oh, and okay. I was a legitimate superhero uh, because I could run two miles faster than anybody and hardly break a sweat. But it wasn't until a few weeks later that my uh, the drill instructor was like, yeah, so how's the how's the breathing going? I was like, wow, I'm, I'm, I'm like sweating and I'm breathing hard. He's like, yeah, you're from a mountain where there's no oxygen. You came down here. Now you're like used to it. So now you're like us normal humans. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> like I thought I was going to be like a superhero forever. <laughs> that must that must have been. Yeah, you were able to go so fast. Yeah, because where I'm from, you know, you're thousands and thousands of feet up. There's little, little oxygen. And I'm used to running all over the mountainside like that and then come down here where it's flat. And I was like, man, I can go forever. This is great. <laughs> my my mother visited my brother Josh a couple of years ago when he was working for some of the national parks in Utah. Mm -hmm. And she could not handle the elevation. Yeah, you get altitude sickness. Yes. Yep. And so for those of us from Illinois, from the flatlands, you know, we go <laughs> go out to lands where it's, you know, up and down and up, and, you know, we, yeah. yeah, we get that. I, I never experienced that because I, I, I've driven through Utah and, and Oregon and, and those type of states where, uh, you know, there's a lot of ups and downs and stuff. And I never got sick, but. It just might obviously your ears yeah and would yep. pop and you know almost like being on an airplane oh yeah kind of thing yeah so yeah. um so you know so you get into the navy you're and you're you're training at uh you said Grace Lake yeah Great Lakes or yeah. Great Lakes yeah. yeah so it's only like three months of, of boot camp then I went to uh, an A school uh, and my first command was the uh, the Connie the carrier. Uh, and I got on there and four days later we deployed and we went to the Middle East and that one to um, the Gulf. And that's when like Bush came on and said, we're going to war. Like I was actually on the helm when he said that. So this was after? 2001. Okay. So yeah. it was 9-11. Yeah. Or right after. Yeah. Right after 9-11. Um, and then I, you know, I did that tour. I got to see a bunch of different countries. I had a blast on that ship. Um, and then when I came back, they decommissioned that ship because it was old. So they were getting rid of it. And I ended up going to another ship that a week later deployed again. So I did another tour. Then I came back and they decommissioned that <laughs> ship. So I went to another Man. ship and that's when it's I ended up on. all these old ships. What do they, by yeah. the way, what do they do with, I know they used to sink them, but they do that anymore. I, they, do they sink some of them. They sell some of them. I think the Connie actually got sold to another country, but it sank on the way there. Oh my God. <laughs> so I was like, wow, that's good timing. Um, and then I ended up I on the I feel like Duluth. that would be, that would be a, like, if I was the person buying it and it sank on the way there, I'd be like, <laughs> I want my money back. Oh like, yeah. What, yeah. What, I want the, a full what, refund. What, what, yeah. What yeah. the hell is this? Yeah. You told me it wasn't going to sink. Yeah. Well, I mean, when we were on tour on that, we actually had a boiler blow up like in the Gulf, which ended up being a huge thing for us. But no, that what ship was What happens when old. a boiler blows? It's just a lot of fire. It's really hot, a lot of fire. You don't move very quickly after that for a little while. So then you got to get other ships to come help you, like merchant marine ships or uh, usually like an LPD brings stuff to you and then you the machinists start fixing it. I was going to say, is there someone on board to fix that? Yeah, or all those machinists, those machinists can do it. They're all trained in that. Well, what, another thing, 
speaking of decommissioning, it, you would think they would maybe take apart some of these ships and, and reuse some of those pieces for other things. Well, once right? they're in like the stage of being decommissioned, all that stuff's super old. Yeah. Like most yeah. of those ships are being held together by paint. <laughs> yeah. Duct tape. Yeah, I would duct just, tape and paint. I would just think, what is it, iron, <clears throat> metal, some yep. type of metal. A lot of I, rust that you're always grinding off and then repainting over. No, then I suppose you can't really recycle it too much if it's got all that rust on it. No, you don't want to do that. Yeah. But then I ended up on the Duluth. I spent two weeks on that and it deployed. So then I was on my third tour. Like, and the thing that really- Was it all to the Middle East? Yeah, all of it was to the Gulf. Everything on the West Coast usually goes to the Gulf. Um, The thing that really chapped my ass about it was, is I had a choice of where I wanted to go. Like I was one of the top guys in the classes in the boot camp, so I got to choose. And I was choosing between Japan, which I really wanted to do, and San Diego. I was like, well, San Diego is only like 20 hours from my house. I could go on three-day weekends. And then my entire time I spent overseas anyways. It's like, I should have just went to Japan. (laughs) Why didn't I go to Japan? (laughs) I should have just gone to Japan. (laughs) It's funny how that works out to where you think, oh, I'll go to the location that's closest to my home. Yeah. No, it didn't work and out. And you weren't me. even home. No, didn't even. I spent like maybe three weeks in, in San Diego the entire time I was in the military. I was recently talking to another Navy veteran, and it was during the time that we were heavily in the, in the Middle East in the 2000s. And he was, I think he was commissioned or, or uh, he was ordered to report to to be on land and and i don't know if it was exactly work with the army i forget exactly what it was the 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 specific name and everything for it probably a cb or something maybe i wish i could remember he was uh he was on the podcast not too long ago maybe it's been a couple months already and i was just curious if that had happened happened to you or what happens when the navy was deployed to you know the gulf during that time so i never we i never met any army guys when i was in a lot of marines though a lot of marines come on board with us especially like on the duluth the entire aft end of the ship was nothing but marines that we were transporting over there so usually like the well deck is something you can sink in the water and you fill it up with like seven ton 11 ton trucks and all their equipment and then when we get them there we drop them off and then they go do all the dirty work and so then then what happens is the the does your ship just kind of hover just, around in the yep. Gulf? We just do like, a lot of figure eights. We watch the water. Uh, we scout out a lot of the like oil rigs that are out on the water, make sure no one's messing with them. But it's a lot of figure eights. So making sure no one is messing with those oil rigs, are those, were those American oil rigs? Or these are, are your, or was it like protecting a foreign I think it was, oil rigs they were probably of? mostly foreign and we were just protecting them. From for our for our own interests, likely yeah, from uh, whatever yeah. may, maybe like terrorist uh, groups or whatever yeah. that would yeah want to over my pay take, grade uh, yeah, I was, yeah I was just curious they like, said stand with this firearm <laughs> and look in that direction <laughs> Roger that <laughs> <laughs> now was it I assume it was pretty quiet or um, we had a few shots fired but there wasn't a lot lot going on um, most of it was like. You know, when I was on either the 50 cal or the 25 cal watch, you would watch the water to see if anything was floating in it. Because if there was like an ice chest or a goat floating, you had to report it because it might be full of explosives. And then they would, you know, we would steer the ship away, launch a helo and shoot at it to see if it blew up or not. 
<laughs> well, that yeah. sound actually sounds like target practice. Yeah, pretty much. It's like, oh, let me see if it blows up, right. and then you're probably disappointed when it doesn't. No, yeah, I don't up. think any of them ever blew up. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Uh, so would so people would just drop these things in the water just so they would explode, or they would just they could potentially have explosives and they them. could potentially have explosives in them because if, you know you run into them they explode well now they're sinking a navy ship yeah kind of like they did with the the coal i think in 95 oh that was later i forgot 98 i was there but i think it was 98 99. yeah yeah oh i think i remember what you're talking about was that yeah. the u.s coal yeah. yeah it was bombed in yemen yeah, yeah. and that ended up being was that that ended up being a, an osama osama bin laden thing right if i'm correct I don't know who's the I don't remember at this that. point. It's been a yeah. while. I know that's I been a long remember. time ago, right? Yeah, I can't sure. believe '98's been that long ago. I but I vaguely, <laughs> I vaguely remember that. And I'm sure someone's listening to this right now and yelling I at, know. Yeah, at yeah, us yeah. with like, yeah. "No, it was this." You know, I, I was only eight years old in '98, so you know, I have my my memory is is just you know, only little bits, little bits and pieces, you know. Um, so then you're on your third tour with yep. Duluth. What what comes next? So we were in the Gulf, and when we were coming back, we found out they were going to decommission that ship. And I was like, great. So I pulled some strings with some of the chiefs and some of the higher-ups there that I knew, and I was like, can I get on a new ship like so I don't or have new to keep word. doing this? <laughs> so I was supposed to go onto the Green Bay out of uh, Virginia so I could do like a South Pack. And that's where you do like the Horn of Africa, I think. And um, so it was going to be something different. That that sounds cool. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, on the way back, I ended up breaking my spine and hip. So I got flown out. And How did you do that? I was working late uh, spraying out of space, like painting it, like with a spray rig. Um, and the ladder wells are not as wide as the spray rig is. So you have to like lift it up and slide it down the handrails. And it went off the one side a little bit too much and took me with it. And I landed on it sounds painful yeah you know a little bit so <laughs> i yeah. love i love your reaction everything like, yeah you know no big deal we uh, survived scorpion yeah, yeah no big deal uh, rattlesnake uh whatever yeah. you know. we survived it <laughs> <laughs> figure if you don't survive it, you're not gonna know anyway that's so. very true yeah. so you you broke your spine yep and then what uh, i got flown back to the states and started doing physical therapy so got out of a wheelchair and walking again, and now I move around like I'm brand new. So uh, not brand new. He's walked <laughs> with a cane for years and bent over for hey, years. <laughs> hand me that beer. Will <laughs> um, so was it at that time that your your years of service was ending? Yeah. Or? Yeah, that was that was an. I had planned to do twenty years. Like I wanted to stay in forever. I loved being in the service. It was great. So how many did you end up doing then? Or or did that injury I did a set little you back? over three and a half years before I got injured. when in in those cases, I know some people when they have injuries like that, um, they get uh honorly discharged. Is that yep. Is that was that your case or yes. so okay. I was uh honorably discharged. Um back then the VA wasn't super good, so it was hard to get uh benefits. Uh, but fortunately, while I was at the VA hollering at the uh, desk lady there that, you know, I'm a disabled veteran. I need to get, how do I get help? Uh, Marine actually heard me 
and he worked for the Purple Heart organization. So he came out, grabbed my wheelchair, told her we'll be right back. And then like 10 minutes later, I had benefits. So the Purple Heart, the Purple Heart order ended up helping me get the benefits so that I could get like back on my feet and get all the physical therapy I needed and whatnot. Was it quite intensive for the physical therapy or? I should tell you, I think the physical therapy probably hurt more than the injury. Like there was a bed they used to put you on that would like pull you apart. Like they would like, it sounds they very midi. Yeah, it felt midi. Like they would tie your chest down and then tie your hips down and the bed would start separating. And you have like a panic button that's supposed to stop it. Well, like the third time I was on it, they forgot to plug the panic button in. So I'm like clicking this button and it just keeps going. I'm like, oh my God, we are going to get broken in half right now. <laughs> I'm going to be two like the uh, the magicians in uh, Las Vegas. They're well, whenever me, I watch like uh, Deadpool 2 and the juggernaut comes over, it's like, I'm going to rip you in half. That reminds me of that bed. I'm like, I know what you're feeling. I know how this feels. <laughs> I got you, bro. I know I know exactly what you're feeling. Yeah. And then um so you're you're getting you're finally getting the therapy you need. Yep. And at that time, where were you in were you guys in Illinois? No. Um I still I was living in San Diego and I ended up getting a job um in a lab uh building um, like networks and robots and shit like that. Oh my God. That's okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, I ended up just building stuff that was for like the Navy and Marine Corps. So I ended up just being a lab rat for a while. Um, and then it was, I, and it was five years, maybe eight years after I got out that we ended up meeting through uh, mutual friends. Mm. Oh, it's funny because they actually mutual friends like, Oh, come hang out with us. I want you to meet somebody. And I was like, ah, oh. And I was kind of a geek back then, so I was playing World of Warcraft. Don't hate me. Oh my god! Don't gosh. hate me. Yeah, this was <laughs> at way, that time. It was the it was the it game was to play. The thing, it man. was the game, and I was good at it. And so I was like, I'm in the middle of like this raid with my roommate. She's like, Well, it's this girl I want you to meet. And I was like, All right, I'll be right there. So I, my roommate was mad. He's like, But you're supposed to be our healer. I'm like, Ah, oh, you'll live. And so I left, got on the trolley, went to downtown. I go into this bar and I see this blonde sitting there really bright hair. And I'm like, oh, well, I'm not sure where my friend is, but I'm gonna go talk to this girl. So I started talking to her. And then my friend came and was like, oh, yeah, I want to introduce you to Natalie. And I was like, oh, wow, I've already introduced myself. I saw her and I was like, I didn't care what your friend you wanted me to introduce me to. I was like, I'm talking to this girl no matter what. <laughs> that so, was just like, that's meant to be. Yeah. Did you know that Natalie was a Navy veteran at that no. time? Because I kind of seen your friend being like, oh, well, you know, she's a Navy veteran too. And you're like, no. oh, God. No, our friend yeah. didn't mention anything like that. She's like, I just want you to introduce you to this girl. And I was like, all right. But I ended up seeing her and started talking to her anyways. It turns out she was the one I was supposed to get introduced to anyhow. So it ended up being good. Okay. It took yeah. a long time though. <laughs> it, yeah. it was an instant. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I didn't have a beard. You had to work then. at it for a while. It was, yeah. it was the beard. Yeah. I didn't yeah. have a beard back then. You still didn't have a beard. No, I had like a little buzz, but you weren't out uh, of the job I had. They didn't like you having facial hair. Gotcha. So they that didn't think sense. it was professional enough. Yeah. Like, right. Whatever. Now it's becoming more acceptable. Yeah. And now you're your own boss. Yes. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, well, except for I'm sure Natalie has yes, to. Yes. Well, she's the boss. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She right. She's the higher ranking officer. Yes, she is. Which let's hear your side of the Navy experience, Natalie. So I know you said earlier you joined at age 18. Mm -hmm. What prompted you to do that? Um, I wanted the free education. I wanted to travel the world. I wanted like the adventure and the journey, you know, I just didn't want to go to community college is what we could afford and just stay in the county and just do that. 
So I went to talk to the recruiter and he got me like super excited about being on a ship. And I was gone two weeks later. They signed me up right then and there. Came home and told my parents I was leaving in two weeks. My mom's passing out and having a cow over it. And, you know, she was not happy at first. She was not having it. No, but my dad was a Marine. So he he was super proud. And, but yeah, so I mean, and like talking about it with other people, like in high school, people are like, oh, you'd never make it in the military. And like, you tell me I can't do something like. Hold my, you're gonna do, you're gonna... Hold my beer. Hold my beer. So, yeah. So it was definitely something I wanted to do. But, um, yeah, so I was in for almost 16 years active and in um, active reserve. Um, but, yeah, so I started out as enlisted. So I went to Great Lakes like Blaine did. This is 94, 95. Um, I did six years, and I was an E6. And then I, I finished my bachelor's degree, like, while I was enlisted, while I was going to sea and all that. Um, and my first duty station was actually Japan, where he wanted to go. So I left at 18. I was in Japan at 18, um, lived there for two years. It was amazing. So you were, um, where, where is the, I'm, I'm sure there's more than one, I would assume, but where in Japan, in Japan like as far as naval base? So I was right? in Yokosuka. I mean, there's Yokohama, there's Atsuki, there's Misawa, there's several Air Force bases and Navy bases there. But I was in Yokosuka. Um, it's one of the main ports there. So it was where the air, the aircraft carriers are at and everything. What was your first impression of Japan when you um, showed up there? Very alien-like. I mean, just something like, because when I picked to go to Japan, I wanted to go to the place that I could never imagine myself being that was so different from what I knew. And I definitely picked right because it was, I mean, everything was different. The culture, the language, the food, um, just everything. You know, walking down the street and nothing looks like it does here. So and it was I, this is what I wanted and I loved it. And honestly, Japan is like my favorite country in the entire world. Like, it's the most peaceful place, the most courteous, kind people. I just love it there. I've heard it's very clean. It's very clean. As well. Yes, very clean. What was something that you, when, when like, you stepped off the ship and you're you're walking around Japan for the first time, what, what, what do you remember? Well, I remember a lot of, so, like, everything's lit up. It's kind of like... Um, Manhattan and New York, how they yeah. have big billboards. Yeah. So like Tokyo, Yokohama, um, Shibuya, all that is kind of like that. So it was like tons of people. I mean, it's just people, people, people. Um, you go on the the trains, the subways, people's arms are sticking out the doors and the legs. And they're packed in like they literally have people pushing people into the train to pack them in. So I just thought that was like very odd that there's so many people there and they're just like having arms flying out the train as it's going down the tracks. And But there's just people everywhere, you know. And, so that was different for me coming from even Chicago because it's not packed like it is in Japan. No, so. definitely not. Chicagoans like their space yeah. like every other Midwesterner, um, you know. <laughs> but to be so crowded, it's they're so courteous and kind to everybody. You don't need to lock your doors. You don't need to lock up your bikes. Everybody's kind and it, it is clean. Everything is clean and there's so many people there. You know, somebody drops something, they pick it up. And so it's kind of amazing. I've heard several different people talk about their visits to Japan, whether it's in the military or not. Mm -hmm. And they're just talking about how you don't see cigarette butts. You don't see like any of that. I mean, all the beaches are pristine. So it's definitely different than living in the United States. It's unfortunate. But um, yeah, I don't know anybody who's had a bad experience or had a bad, you know, bad time in Japan. It's just beautiful there. What's something that sticks with you uh, from living in Japan? For those two years to this day, oh boy! I mean, besides mm-hmm. the you know the the culture, what what's something you kind of picked up while while being there? Um, probably my love of ramen. 
Because I hated ramen before that. <laughs> he loves ramen. And now ramen, um, is, I love ramen. is a huge thing. There's a, a ton of ramen restaurants Which we love. throughout Chicago. Yes. I love ramen. And for a while, you couldn't get ramen anywhere. And, you know, and you'd go to a Japanese restaurant. Even some of them here don't have ramen, even though they come so Japanese. But, um, yeah, because I went to Japan. I didn't like seafood. Didn't eat fish, which is and you're in the navy. You don't I know. like seafood. <laughs> um, being in Japan, it's all sushi, seafood, and ramen. So I'm like, well, let's try this ramen stuff, and I loved it. What was so, the 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 craziest food that you tried? Because I know that oh, I don't try crazy food. Yeah, you no. you, you you just kept nope. it oh, blind to the you, the crazy. Yeah, one. so because okay. like, I mean, they what is it like the squid and and all that. So, and, yeah, yeah, you I didn't mean, indulge mm -mm. in. Oh, no, that? no, no. So okay. I've never been a big meat eater. I'm actually a vegetarian now. Okay. So none of that ever intrigued me. I was like, no, you can keep that. You know, and like going to the grocery stores in Japan, they have the deli would have like samples of crickets and you know um, grasshoppers, and you could just pick one up. Nope, not going to try it. No, no, no. Does I heard they're really good dipped in chocolate. Don't. I'm not going to find they out. They do that. <laughs> they are. They're yeah. very good. See? He'll eat anything. He'll eat anything in chocolate or not. But no, I'm not a venturous eater like like as far as that. But no. you do you do eat seafood uh, being a vegetarian. No, I don't. You don't. I don't eat okay. anything that has to be harmed okay. for my sustenance. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Because I know, I don't know what, isn't there a specific name for a vegetarian that eats Seafood pescatarian. or pescatarian. Right. Thank you. Yeah, I don't eat any meat. Um, not okay. vegan, but I eat a lot of vegan. I don't do a lot of dairy either. Mm -hmm. But definitely vegetarian. Okay, so your so going to Japan was was like your first de, like deployment or, um, yeah, or, I mean, or first. It was so I was on shore duty in Japan. So it was my first um, duty station. So yeah, it was my first time out of the United States. First time out of Illinois. First time on a plane. All at eighteen. So, um, so I was there for about two and a half years and then came back to San Diego or my next duty station was in San Diego. And I went to a squadron, which was attached to the USS Abraham Lincoln. So with the squadrons, when the, the, the Abraham Lincoln was up in, um, Bremerton, Washington, okay. they'd come down to San Diego and they'd pick up all the squadrons. So we'd load up our offices, bring them on the ship, go on our deployment and come back, you know, six, nine months later. And then we offload again. And that's how we, so when we weren't, when the ship wasn't there, we were actually like on a shore duty type of assignment but i was in san diego for oh about four or five years went up north to oxnard and like ventura area was at a cb base for a while and that's where i was on my actual shore duty in the states and i was actually able to finish my degree and go to college while i was you know in the navy um then i went back down to san diego um and then um i applied for an officer program and i was picked up for that so as an e6 i went into officer candidate school become an ensign um yeah and so then i did that for a few more years and i decided to just get out so so what was your 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 uh, official title then as an officer or enlisted officer as an officer as an office or uh, service warfare officer okay and then i got out as a lieutenant oh wow which was an 03 okay um so yeah so like if when i was an e6 in the navy um you know, I was on track to become a chief. I probably would have been a master chief if I had stayed enlisted because I was I made rank like first time every time. Um, as an officer, as a junior officer, you lose the respect you do you have as a senior enlisted. And I think I would have made a more a bigger difference if, you know, I was a senior enlisted rather than switching over to becoming a junior officer. And you're an ensign and you're like the lily person on the ship. And, you know, not even the E4s and E5s like respect you, whether you have that prior experience or not. And, you know, as enlisted. Um, so I kind of wish I stayed in and like stayed as enlisted, but you know, generally you see an ensign, you're like, this guy has no idea what they're doing. 
Because normally you just see like the butter bar and you're like, oh, well, this guy just got out of college. He knows nothing about the military because you don't know that they had eight years experience beforehand and could probably wipe the deck with you with their knowledge until they start talking. You're like, oh, man, (laughs) I better shut up now. (laughs) And and so what was your uh, official title? You said you were an officer, too, or no, you were not? No, no, no. I was uh, enlisted. Uh, I made it to E5 as I was getting out, but I was a bosun. Okay. I drove the ship. Took orders from her. She said, you know, starboard, <laughs> and, starboard and port. And I was, yes, ma'am. <laughs> I love it. I absolutely love that. So were you on shore duty then during the time of September 11th? I what actually, was... I, no, you've, I'm trying to think. Yes, I was at Inventura at the time at a CB base. So what was your experience being in the active military during September 11th. Um, pretty scary because you don't know what's going on. I remember I was at home um, in my apartment getting ready to go to work. And my brother calls me and says, put on the news. My brother was here in Illinois. So, okay. you know, uh, we were two hours behind here. Um, and I see it and I don't, you know, I don't think it's real. I don't know what's going on. So I call my office and on the base, I'm like, you need to come to work right now. Like, you need to just come here. They're shutting on the base. Um, so everybody who was assigned to the base had to come to the base, whether it's your day off or not, come to the base, your families, and then they're shutting down the base. So we had to stay there. We're there for probably about 12, 18 hours. Um, but yeah, like you, you just watch us on the news with everybody else and you don't know what's going on. And, you know, are we going to war right now? I mean, am I going to pack my bags and am I going somewhere? And you, you just don't know what's going on. And like your family's calling you and asking you, are you okay? And, you know. So what happened after... Like right when that happened that day, when you got to, you know, wherever you were going, what? I we mean, sat in our lounge the entire day and watched the news. We just watched the TV. It, so at that time, I worked for an officer. Um, it was an engineering duty officer school. So all the engineer, the young engineers would come in and go through the school. Um, and I was one of the admin support there. And there was no school that day. We all just sat, you know, in the classrooms or in the lounges and just watched the TV and just watch it with the rest of the world. Okay. So it wasn't like, <clears throat> so it wasn't like you were sitting on a, on a base. No. And... I mean, I was on the base. It was a oh, base. Oh, that's true. But that... they shut us down because okay. the school was on the base. But I, you know, I wasn't on a ship or I wasn't overseas or, you know, I mean, I was secure on a base just watching the rest of the world. Um, and that was like shortly after that is when I was accepted to the officer program. And within months I was gone to uh, Florida for officer candidate school. And I remember watching when they, they said they had, you know, caught um, Osama bin Laden, I remember we were, they, they gave us this big announcement at Officer Candidate School about, you know, this has happened and um, we got to celebrate for that day or we got like last push-ups and, you know, we got our ass kicked like last that day. It was like, you know, a little bit of a retreat. Hey, well, so. well only do 50 push-ups yeah. instead of 100 or, yeah. what I, <laughs> or whatever, whatever it was. So was Japan the only time you traveled? No, I was on, I was on, um. So when I was with the squadron, we went on to the Abraham Lincoln. You know, oh, I've been to right. Australia many times in Hawaii, Hong Kong, Singapore, Thailand, um, Italy, Spain. Um, I can't even think of all the places I've been to, to be honest. But I have ba- written down. Bahrain. Bahrain. Yeah. I mean, the UAE. So Dubai, just amazing places that I've been to. So most of those were on, you know, you got off the ship on ports. And were you... So by the time you two met, you were both out of the Navy. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. And you meet in California? San Diego. San Di- yeah. Right, mm-hmm. San Diego. And then 
so I, I, you you come back here to Illinois eventually. I don't know how many years later <laughs> after that. Like um, a year after. Yeah, it was we a year met. after that. Okay. We weren't even married when you came back here. He followed me here. Didn't even, <laughs> <laughs> it was it's a true story. Stalker. Yeah. I was actually trying to get back in the military when yeah. we met. Yeah. Were yeah. you trying to get back into the Navy or a different branch? I was actually trying to get into OCS for the Marine Corps for uh, intelligence. And uh, I met her and I actually called my captain when she said she was moving. And I was like, hey, uh, I'm going to steal a line from a really crappy movie. I got to go see about a girl. <laughs> <laughs> and then that was the end yeah. of. And that was the uh, end of that. And I, I packed up my backpack and my one cardboard box and came out here with her. Okay. So you you come and live in, in Mantino. And this has been just the last how many years 11 now? 11 or 12. 12 years ago. 12 yeah. years now because our kids are nine, nine. almost 10. So, yeah. So when you get here to, to Mantino, what did you guys start doing for for jobs and such? Well, f at first we did nothing because we came here. It was kind of an emergency situation with my dad passing. It wasn't planned. Yes. So Sorry we came for here, your loss. Thank you. We quit our jobs. You know, well, I quit my job and he followed me. But we had no jobs. We had nowhere to live. So it was the same with my mom, kind of like unemployed, figuring out what are we going to do. And um, he eventually got a job at Great Lakes. So he was commuting from Mantino to Great Lakes every day. Oh, boy. Doing the the IT stuff that he does. Um, and then I eventually got a job at Navistar and Lyle. Um, and from there, we just kind of, you know, did the things we like. I was a project manager. That's kind of what I did. And he did IT. So we kind of stuck with that until we opened the brewery. Yeah. But, and how did <laughs> the brewery come about? I'm excited to hear it. Has it been three, almost, three. almost three. three? I was thinking oh, yeah. it's February. It's, it'll be three years. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Time flies. It still feels know, like yesterday. I know. <laughs> it does, I know. Yeah. We um, actually, one of her brothers bought me a Mr. Beer kit. Like that little plastic jug. Yes, yes. And as I do with most things, I just stuck it in the cabinet and then forgot it existed. And it was probably six months later. She was like, either you brew this or I'm throwing it in the trash. <laughs> and I had absolutely no desire to brew beer. Like I was like, why would I do that? I can go to Burkhardt's two minutes away and come back with an entire case of Samuel Adams. Why yeah. would I want to brew the beer and do all this stuff for it? So she's like, well, why don't you just brew it? And, you know, you can tell my brother you brewed it and we can try it and see how it tastes. So I was like, all right. So it was an American wheat that I was brewing. And it takes all of 20 minutes to make that small batch. That's it? Yeah. Well, those small batches, you mostly just boil syrup. Like there's no, like now it's, you know, nine, <laughs> 10 hours worth of brewing. <laughs> I was going to say. Um, but these little ones, it's mostly just a, a concentrated syrup that you uh, boil in some water and you dump it in, pitch the yeast. Well, I... Did it. I put it all in there and then I went to the fridge and I opened up uh, the cherry wheat uh, from Samuel Adams. And I was like, man, I just brewed a wheat. I should put cherries in it. So I went to Burkhart's and I bought some cans of cherries and I just dumped it in there into the fermenter, which then did not know what yeast and sugar do with each other. And uh -oh. it made a giant mess all over our kitchen. As if it like foam. Oh, yeah. Right? It popped the top right off and there was just red juice everywhere. Oh. Ceiling walls. Yeah. So then, was it stained? Yeah, I ended up painting the ceiling. And then she was like, you know, now that ceiling doesn't match the other ceilings down oh, here. So no. I painted all the ceilings downstairs. Um, so then I was like, you know, that was really exciting. I'm going to do it again. <laughs> so I bought a bigger While kit. While saluting. Yeah. So I went from a two-gallon kit to a six-and-a-half-gallon kit. But this time, instead of cherries, I'm doing a triple berry. But I was smart enough to put it in the basement with a bunch of plastic around. So I did like a blueberry, raspberry, and blackberry. That sounds delicious. And it, it probably would have been. Um, <laughs> it would have been, but yeah, once it, it went, literally once again, blew it, up the carboy 
Like it blew up the glass everywhere. There was just this red, blue, purple liquid all over the basement, all over the walls. So on the ceilings. On the, the ceilings. It was Again. everywhere. So I spent some time cleaning that up, cursing my name. And uh, I'm like, you know, I'm doing it again. I'm going to rebuy this kit. And I saw this free online book by uh, John Palmer, who wrote like a very basic like brewing book back in the 80s. So I read that and I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> so yeast eats sugar, which creates alcohol. And if there's too much sugar, you're going to get very active yeast. And, you know, it needs space to grow. And if you have it confined, it's going to do like what anything does when it's confined in space and wants to expand. Like, so that makes sense. So there's a thing called a secondary. We'll try that. All right, let's do this again. And I made a uh, a cherry wheat um, or a cherry cream ale, I think it was. Mm -hmm. I did a five-gallon batch, and we ended up drinking the entire five gallons, I think, on a Saturday once it was done. We drank it all. It was just so, you two? Or? Just oh, the two yeah, of us. Easily. Like We started it at <laughs> wow. like noon, and we drank. By the time we were done drinking, we were like, holy crap, did we just drink five gallons of beer between the two of us? <laughs> but it was so good. Like it was hey like, kids, sweet. you can make your own yeah. dinner tonight. I was like, this is crazy. I mean, what that was like, I think that beer only had like 2% alcohol in it. So it wasn't a lot. Because I hadn't quite figured out how to I, tell. I percent. I'm like, yeah, I hadn't quite figured out all the the mathematics to brewing yet. And then it just kept getting bigger and bigger. And then I got to where I was, I had to brew in the garage. I couldn't brew in the kitchen anymore because I had three different pots going that were 15 gallons a piece. And I, then I started doing like all grain. So I was writing my own recipes after that, um, which I've had a few that didn't turn out. I tried making a bacon smoked red ale, which ended up tasting like green olives. That doesn't sound very yeah. good. It was disgusting. Well, the, the recipe, you know, they give you like a whole ounce of this bacon extract and it's like only use a quarter of it. I'm like, well, why would you give me an ounce if you only want me to use a quarter? I love bacon. And this is back when we ate meat. It's like, <laughs> you know what? You people know what you're talking about. I'm a bacon <laughs> kind of person. I'm using the whole thing. <laughs> Turns out there's a reason they say only use a quarter. It's yeah, it's like yeah. um it gets a little overpowering and you're just like, ugh. It reminds me of when my brother and I, my brother Joe, we were kids and we'd bake cookies and he would put he really liked the vanilla extract, right? <laughs> the vanilla flavor. He would put so much instead of doing the, you know, the one teaspoon or whatever it mm -hmm. is of the vanilla extract, he would end up putting so much more of that. And we all know how potent the oh, vanilla yeah. extract is, right? Just like the yep. just like the bacon extract. And yep. yeah, it would be like you taste one of those finished, you know, freshly baked cookies. Like, oh my God, that's yeah. a lot of vanilla. You know, it'd almost be like your mouth would just ah, I'm thirsty. I'm like yeah. I'm, I, I'm parched. I, I need water. I need liquids. Yeah, I need liquids. So it, was it just you were obsessed with trying to perfect? Yeah, I mean, it was, I've always been a big science kind of guy. Like, I like chemistry, I like biology, and I like, uh, like, engineering things. So, so it's surprising that Brewing kind of had it all. Yeah, it's kind of surprising yeah. you just let that sit there for so long, yeah. considering yeah. that you like Well, I had things. no idea that it even yeah. consisted of any of those things. But then, you know, it got to where, well, I need to upgrade my equipment, but I can't afford $3,000 brewing stuff. So I'd go to Lowe's, I'd buy a bunch of cheap metal and I start making my own brew stations. And then I had like this three tier station that I would build. Then she bought me a nice one for Christmas one year, which I still have. Um, and so I just kept going and I won some medals and then, you know, I got some honorable mentions for it and I got to brew at a few other breweries. 
Um, and I told her, I was like, man, we'll start a brewery. She was like, all right, let's do that. <laughs> and I'm like, that's what I'm talking about, right? And it took us, I mean, I think we spent six, eight years just trying to get like the funds together and get like the loans. And oh, so we this, must have this gone, started a long yeah, time I mean, ago. We must have, I must have gone through 40 or 50 different banks trying to get someone as stupid as me to say yes to the loan. And eventually yeah. we found one in. I'm surprised uh, it took that many because. Well, you got a bunch of banks here. They're used to only lending to farmers. They don't know anything about brewing. So when you show them all the spreadsheets, they're like, this makes no sense. Like, how do you make money with beer? I'm like, people drink beer? Everybody drinks beer? I mean, that's how you make money on it? They're like, no, nah, no, nah, we don't like this. Like, if you had a farm or something, we'd talk to you. I'm like, I don't have a farm. <laughs> So, I mean, it's kind of like a farm. Yeah, yeah. I'm using sort stuff of. from a farm, but I ended, yeah, up, yeah, I ended up eventually finding a bank that deals strictly with breweries. Like, that's what they do. Um, and I'm they, still shocked, though, considering how the success of Brickstone, you yeah. know, with, with the success of that <clears throat> brewery, you would think it would kind of be like, oh, yeah, you know. Well, with them, you know, they're... A restaurant also, like that's how it started for them. So they kind of yeah. grew into that position. They didn't start right off the bat in that no. way. But still. Well, See, I but mean, also though, when we were trying to get loans, we don't have million dollar investors. It was just me and Blaine. Yeah. It's just yeah. us two on a normal paycheck trying to finance this brewery. brewery yeah. So it took a little longer because it was our own money that we had to save for all the down payments. And the bank would come back and say, oh, I want another 10%. So then you save that for 10% and then they want something else. So just kind of going back and forth. But, you know, yeah. we didn't have a bunch of people with a bunch of millions of dollars to invest in it. It was just us. This is kind of just a, a Blaine and Natalie project. And it just it took a while. Yeah. So we weren't millionaires to begin with, you know. And right. So we're still not millionaires, but. <laughs> <laughs> right. You're still right. You're still, uh, you know, you're still trying to make it to be a millionaire. Yeah. Right. Like we all all of us yeah. are. Yeah. That's the dream, right? Yeah. So, all you know, this is a, a six to eight year process before you even actually opened up. Before your, we've your gotten to the building. Yeah. Yeah. Now, during that time, um, were you selling beer to to friends and and family or how no, does that um actually my hobby was paid with by a lot of um like neighbors because i had i had built a keyser in my garage had four taps on it and if the garage was open people could come get beer and they always just left like cash sitting on my workbench and so i would take that cash and then i would go buy more grain with it and then brew more beer with it so it just kept growing like that. And I was like, man, we could, we might be able to make this happen if we could get into a building. So, but once we got like the loan and we found a building and we started building, it, it was just the, you know, the two of us and some friends uh, just going to work, just build, build, build. And I would spend, you know, what, 12, 15 hours every day in that place uh, just building. And then, you know, we'd have some, some friends that would get off work. They'd come in for a couple hours and help. Um, when the kids weren't trying to tear her entire reality apart, being kids, she would come in and she would help and like help me stain wood and cut wood and build tables and stuff like that. Um, but no, that place, I mean, we built, we put the walls together, the bars, the table. I mean, I had a friend do some of the plumbing in the bathroom and then I did a lot of the plumbing behind the bar and the brew house. So it was definitely like a hands-on for us for, I think it took us nine months, eight, nine, nine, months, nine months to actually from a building that was completely blank to have everything built inside of it yeah for those that aren't you know familiar the lo the location you're in 
is a bunch of uh, like what they call them commercial suites, right? Yeah, like industrial strip mall. Industrial, industrial suites. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's like an industrial strip mall um, off of. Now I'm forgetting Spruce. Spruce. Thank you. Yep. Spruce and Mantino, which is, if you're not familiar, <clears throat> that would be right where the old Kmart warehouse is. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. You also have uh, the John Deere dealer there. Yep. Um, ABC. I think it's ABC. Yes. Right? Yeah. ABC's the the lumber. The, yeah. Uh, so we got like right behind our buildings, like the Mantino uh, lubrication. Yes. They do too. like the, the monster truck guys. And yeah. Stuff like that. Yeah. Really, uh, really cool company to have in uh, the county as well. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, then there's that that industrial strip. Is there... T- I'm trying to remember. There's two. Is there just one building? There's two buildings back two buildings. there. There's two buildings. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's all these suites and the, you know, super high ceilings and everything. Yep. And I, I've been in some of the other uh, suites there. And yeah, it's just it, it it's meant for obviously industrial. Yeah. You know, which is, is in a sense is is kind of perfect for brewing. Yeah, but, you know, kind of do what we want out there. We're yeah. not right in the middle of town, so we can be loud and we can have big gatherings. Um, and we're always throwing like a bunch of events there. Um, actually, one of our neighbors is uh, JFB. They build like uh, custom Jeeps and Broncos. And so we throw huge like Jeep events with them and car shows and stuff like that. And we fill the parking lot with Jeeps that are like just wild. That's cool. Like, yeah, you could probably get like rockets off of them and then go to the moon and like drive around like they are some <laughs> just, of them are so insane looking out. yeah hey we're on the moon yeah some of them are Steve so Hollow. insane <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah so we're always you know the space is big enough that we can throw just tons of events like yeah. all the time we had a wrestling event there last weekend yeah or the two weekends ago and we yeah. brought a wrestling ring in a professional wrestling ring and they yeah. did their match there it's pretty cool that that's awesome. awesome so we could do some really cool things with that space yeah that's yeah. perfect yeah, yeah. So let's, I guess we should probably get to vet, what you, uh, both of you are doing for Veterans Day, what Steam Hollow is doing for yeah. Veterans Day. You, I think Natalie in her email said you had teamed up with some other Navy veterans or some other vets to do a, a special brew. So right? yeah. one of our uh, regulars there is a chief, a Navy chief. Uh, he's a recruiter. Um, and he was in drinking and he was talking to me. He's like, man, because I've done a beer with the Marine Corps. Uh, it'll be coming out soon. Uh, Jim's Dandy Stout. And he was like, we should do like a Navy one. I mean, you're a Navy guy. How come you don't do Navy stuff? I'm like, well, I don't know. You're best, you know, <laughs> I mean, come on, chief. <laughs> so he was like, well, I got, I, I'm a recruiter. I got a whole, a whole office of guys. Like we should do a brew. I'm like, all right. So what do you want to do? He's like, I don't know. And I was like, well, I'm a golden shellback. Let's do like a golden shellback beer. I'm like, I'm a golden shellback too. Let's definitely do that. What's a golden shellback? So a golden shellback is when you cross the dateline and the equator simultaneously. So instead of just being like a shellback or like on Wag Day, you get to be on a golden shell. So you get the certificate that's all in color versus you know what black Wag day and is? white. What's that? Do you know what Wag Day is? I don't think so. Wag Day is a huge Navy hazing day, or at least it used to be. Ah, initiation. So yeah, initiation. What, in quotes. What, yeah. So initiation. What, what does that usually consist of? Um, it usually consists of, <laughs> do I want to know? <laughs> it usually consists of anyone who's never done it before crawling through rotting garbage, like old food, sucking, um, Tabasco sauce out of someone's belly button. Like oh, it's just a lot of horrible man. stuff. It's you get horrible, hit with yeah. the, they hit you with like a fire hose, mm-hmm. like with the water on it, it's cold. Dude. It's pretty much like the entire day you just get like twist. The entire it's that great. does not sound like fun. It was a, it was a blast. It, I was, would, it was kind of fun. I would cry fun. home to my mother no, it if was, that was me. <laughs> Most, I'd say probably 98% of the people had a lot of fun with it. Like, it's just 
it's humorous. Like none of it's like ill intentioned. It's just most of it's just humorous. You're just, you would have found me in yeah. the corner, yeah. all curled up. Oh, yeah. They have in a the place in the position. ship, so if you decide to decline the day, yeah, those can... few people went to the the fore of the ship. Yeah, that's where they I would have been. Sit, they had to study with the book. You have to sit there and study. Oh, I, I can and do you're, that. You're, you're going to be the outcast. <laughs> yeah. The rest of the ship's having fun. And... I am good at being an outcast. <laughs> yeah, oh, so man. it's not like you're forced to do it. It's something you just willingly do, which yeah. I had a blast doing. <laughs> um, so we're going to brew a beer, and we're going to call it Golden Shellback. That makes perfect sense. Um, and so we're going to brew a Golden Ale. Um, and it's got like apple and cinnamon. We do one similar called Brass Apple, um, which is a huge hit. Uh, so we're going to brew something similar to that and call it Golden Shellback. And we are doing that on a Thursday? Thursday. Yeah, we'll, Thursday we'll be brewing, we'll be brewing right. Thursday. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So this will be the one time in my life when I get to boss a chief around. It's going to be great. Man, yeah. I mean, that might only be a, a one opportunity in a yeah. lifetime. Exactly. That you can, yeah. <laughs> you can so, do this. And I'm pretty sure most of his office out, would, if I were still in service, uh, would be outranking me anyways. So I get to boss all of them around like this. Is awesome. Nice. <laughs> yeah. So, so this is something people can actually, they can go to Steam Hollow and they can get this brew right on Veterans Day? Or no, we're going to no. brew it on Veterans Day. Okay. Um, it'll be a couple weeks after that we'll have it on tap. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. And then um, there's also an event coming up this Saturday. Yes. As well. Uh, that's uh, Veterans Base too. Yep. So we are teaming up with our good friend Eric Peterson from Project Headspace and Timing. Um, and we are doing a veteran showcase. It is going to be, um, the brewery is going to be full of veteran artists, veteran crafters, veteran business owners. Um, Mia Bell's pizza will be there. They're veterans. Yes. Um, uh, is, aren't they Navy too, or is it Air, Air Force? Army? It's Air, Air Force. Force. Yeah. Sorry, Mike. <laughs> Their pizza um, is so good, though. I know. They have the best pizza. It is the best. <laughs> um, so they'll be there that afternoon. It's from 1 to 5. Um, Chris James, he's also going to be performing. Yeah, he's a um, Marine, former Marine. Yes. yes. Um, so we'll have a bunch of just different vendors um, either showing off their crafts or selling their crafts. Um, we'll have Buddy Check 22 there. Um, I think, I believe the VA home will be there. Um, see, we have Kinky County Veterans Assistance Commission there. So um, a bunch of different organizations supporting veterans or veterans that are, you know, supporting each other. So it's going to be a great event. Yeah, it, it's kind of like if you didn't get a chance to go out to Heroes, Hogs, and Hot Rods mm -hmm. in Mantino, it's almost like a mini version of that. You know, you have all these um, wonderful organizations there that are veteran involved mm -hmm. that you can check out, you know. Yep. So, and it, it's good to have those type of events year round because right. not every, you know, someone might have, ha maybe they're on vacation when Heroes, Hogs, and Hot Rods happened in August or right. whatever. Yep. Maybe something else came up in the family and they weren't able to be there, that kind of thing. So, yeah. So it's going to be a really great event. Um, we're super excited to team up with Eric, you know, organization again. Eric is okay. so wonderful. He yeah. uh, he helped me put these desks in here. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> yes. He, uh, I, I had put a post on Facebook. Uh, you know, just needing needing a friend to, you know, um, help me bring these down into our, our recording space in my basement. And, um, you know, I know you can't physically see these right now because this is a podcast. But if you haven't seen pictures of our studio space, these are there's four of these big desk pieces that Eric brought me or helped me bring down here. And these two corner like pieces were the ones that were. Yeah. The don't, biggest pain in the butt. Don't really and, fit through a door too well. Uh, yeah, that was a challenge, and they're they're heavy and just big, and and so that was that was a real challenge bringing bringing down here. So I'm forever grateful 
for that. And, you know, Eric ended up being the very first guest on Can't <laughs> Keep Podcast because I'm like, well, I was going to have Eric on anyway. And I was like, since he did that, it's like, it just make makes sense. So that's great that you're you're uh, working with with Eric um, at uh, or, or for this um, this veteran showcase that's coming up this Saturday. So that's November twelfth. November is it twelfth or thirteenth? Or is it? Oh boy! Oh boy! Hang on! <laughs> I thought we thirteenth. <laughs> is it thirteenth? It is the thirteenth. So 13th. it's November thirteenth, one to five. Okay. Yep. There'll be food, music, and a bunch of veteran organizations and. Vendors there. Awesome. Um, is there anything else that's coming up at Steam Hollow you guys want to? I mean, obviously, people need to be on the lookout for that that special Veterans Day brew, even though it won't be on on Veterans Day. But that's the whole right. point and we'll, behind yeah. it. And we will announce it. We'll we'll have pictures of that day when the when the Chiefs are brewing it with Blaine, and um, we'll definitely announce when the beer is ready and it's going to be on tap. Okay. Um, but yeah, so like we just got done with doing a bunch of events in October that um. You know, no, he's talking about that now. But our <laughs> next big event would be um, the day before Thanksgiving. We're doing our third annual um, Black Wednesday celebration. Okay. So we have um, Mia Bella's pizzas there that night, and then Who's Your Day to be performing from seven to ten p.m. So um, it's always been a great hit. Everyone's like, you know, tired of cooking the day before, <laughs> kind of come out and I kind of rest up, and before you know the big day for Thanksgiving. So that's our next big event for November. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Um. Anything else you guys want to add to talking about Steam Hollow or obviously yeah. we want to encourage people to to check out Steam Hollow, um, you know, on Spruce in Mantino. Yeah. yeah um, if you guys haven't been there, um, you know, it's we're 7,500 square feet. We're huge. Um, we're you can bring your kids with you. You can bring your dog with you. Um, so Are you whole, allow dogs? Mm-hmm. Oh, so yeah. the whole family can come. I okay. love puppies. Um, <laughs> yeah, we love the dogs. Sometimes we like the dogs more than the customers. You know, dogs don't have the money. <laughs> they don't. They, no, there's, the a few, does. there's a few regulars come with their dog. We greet their dog yeah. before them. Like we'll leave the bar and go pet their yeah. dog and then ask them and what they like, want oh, to drink. Yeah. yeah. Hi, Paul. Yeah. I didn't, didn't see you there. Yeah. Now I'm going to pet your dog. You just stand aside real quick. Yeah. You know? yeah. yeah. Go get yourself a beer. Oh. I don't care about you unless you're buying my no, beer. We're, we're, I mean, the space is pretty big. We do a lot of different events. We do like weddings in there. Um, last night we had two birthday parties. Uh, one of them had a reservation for a 40 year old birthday party and they came in and set up. And then these other two ladies came in a few hours later with balloons, the same color for another 40 year old birthday party. And they were looking at the other balloons in theirs. And like, did someone else already set up our party for us? I was like, did you guys make the reservation? She's like, no, we were just coming in to do this. And I was like, <laughs> So there's two birthday parties for 40-year-olds, and you guys bought the same balloons? Like, <laughs> wow. what are the odds of that? Man. But, I mean, we had two. I mean, they were both really large parties. I mean, I think they one of them had, like, 60, 70 people. The other one had another 20 or 30 people. Um, so the, the area is big enough that you can throw pretty much any kind of event you want in it. Okay. But, I mean, we do uh, markets on Sundays. Natalie does. She sets up this whole market thing. It's all these really great vendors in there. Uh, she always gets like really good like live music during these um, markets. Tomorrow's um, our next one actually from one yeah. to five. I forget about that. Okay, I'm so like busy a, I forget is, all the events. Is that a weekly thing or is that like a monthly? Um, thing? It's kind of a every other Sunday event. Oh, okay. So in the summers we do them once a month, but throughout the year we do them twice a month. So right now tomorrow starts our today's Saturday, right? Yeah. 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 Christmas so one. tomorrow starts our first holiday market. Yeah. So we'll have eighteen vendors inside live music. Um, the neighborhood kitchen is there serving brunch and and lunch. So you can get biscuits and gravy and 
Um, we do beer mosas on those Sundays. So you can bring those the kids, the dogs. It's a great family event. Um, but yeah, so we, you know, like I said, um, going back to what I was saying before, um, you know, we have this huge space. You can bring the family, bring your dog. Um, we have a pool table in there. We have bags in there. We have a big card of all kinds of games and cards and coloring books. Um, so Sundays are a great day for the families to come out and like kids are playing a game with the family or um, there's just, you know, so much you can do there. I feel like I didn't talk enough. We didn't talk enough about beer, though. <laughs> so I feel like oh, I should. Oh, there's beer. There's I feel, beer. I feel there's like beer. I should ask this question. <laughs> what beer. What do you have on tap, or what are the beers that you're most well known for, most well liked for? Um, you know, now that you've had your doors open for almost three years, we keep um, like we don't go with just one style. Like it's not just a bunch of IPAs, not just a bunch of hazies, not just a bunch of stout. Like I keep a wide range. I think right now I have. Everything from like a 12% imperial stout to a beer that's only like 3% that tastes like a watermelon Jolly Rancher. So oh, that sounds do, delicious. Yeah, so <laughs> we do all like, over that. Definitely yeah. something for everybody. So people yeah. come in and say, well, I don't drink beer. I don't like beer. We will find them something they like. Yeah. yeah it's usually one of our fruit beers or one of our cream beers, but we'll find them yeah. something. We made a, I mean, we made a hard seltzer that tastes like a cherry squirt. Uh, it doesn't taste like aspirin. So a lot of people are enjoying that. Um, all of our beers have uh, enzyme in them that actually breaks down gluten chains so that people that are uh, gluten intolerant can drink all the beers. Okay. So when I've ran, I've had a few guinea pigs that I use, some of our customers that are like <laughs> heavy on celiac. Uh, my stepfather's really bad on celiac. Like he will be down for days and he comes out on Christmas and he gets completely plastered. Because he starts at the top of the list. We have 16 taps, and he goes all the way down to the bottom of the list because he wants to try it. He's like, I can drink all these beers. I am trying all of them. I'm like, you know, you're going to be here for a week. You can spread it out. Nope, we're doing it right now. Oh, that's so so cool. I I was once having a – I was having dinner with uh, one of uh, my uh, sponsors for another podcast that I do, and my my girlfriend and I were having dinner with him in New York, and he – we, you know, he was having, he was drinking beer and, um, his, his face was starting to like, I don't know, break out or, or mm-hmm. hives or I forget what it was, but he's like, oh, he's like, I forgot to take my, my medication so yeah. that I can drink my beer. And right. he explained, you know, he's, he's allergic, yeah. he's technically allergic, you know? Oh, yeah. And, uh, so yeah. if, uh, if he ever makes his way out here, I'll be like, Hey, I know a place. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it'll be well, right up your alley, bud. Yeah. So I mean, we get. <laughs> you know? I think we just Natalie had a event in there, uh, paint night, I think it was, and one of the ladies was like, "Well, what do you have that's not beer?" And I was like, "Do you not like beer?" She's like, "Well, I can't drink it. I'm sick." Mm-hmm. I was like, "Well, I mean, when I have a hard seltzer, we ha- usually have a cider on tap." I was like, well, "You can get one of those, but you know, you can drink any of the beers here." You know, I told her the whole thing. She's like, oh, "I don't know. I don't want to risk it." I'm like, "All right." I was like, "I'll tell you what." Here's a cider and you can have a sample of one of the beers and try it. And in 20 minutes, if you're not, you know, turning into the Hulk and breaking the building down, <laughs> uh, you know that you can drink the beer. She ended up staying for like three hours after paint night with her friends and just went down the list and started trying all the beers that she could. She was like, this is great. Like I can, I can finally drink beer again. I'm like, well, I got your back. <laughs> cool. That's awesome. That's really important to know. Um, so Natalie and Blaine, thank you both so much thank for you. being here thank and, you. uh, thank you for your service. And I'm happy that we have, 
um, this incredible, you know, veteran owned business brewery in, uh, in our County. It's, it's a wonderful thing. So it, it sounds like you guys are, are, are serving the community in many different capacities, uh, all kinds of different, different events happening at, at, uh, steam hollow, which is fantastic. So, um, so thank you guys and, you. uh, look forward to talking with you again sometime. Yeah, thank sure. you very much. Thank you. That concludes this episode of Kankakee Podcast. I'm Jake Lamore. Thank you so much for listening. And to all of our veterans, thank you for serving our country. I know that's something that we all take for granted each and every day, that we're able to live our lives and do what we want just because for uh, we're able to do those things because of all of those who served. So thank you if you are one of those people. Uh, please go back if you haven't done so already, and you can catch up on previous episodes of Kankakee Podcast at kankakeepodcast.com or wherever it is that you get your podcasts. It's on all the major platforms like Apple, Spotify, Google, and Stitcher, and all the other <laughs> ones you can think of. And also, uh, you can follow us on social media at Kankakee Podcast. That's for Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We're on TikTok as well, although I haven't done too much with the TikTok account yet. I need to figure out exactly what I'm doing for content there. But regardless, we are there on TikTok as well. And uh, I look forward to talking with you next week. A new episode drops every Monday. Our theme song is by Lupe Carroll. People